Welcome to Amusement Sparks, the theme park design show. I'm your host, Andrew Spawn, and with us today is Brent. This guy is a podcaster, game designer, and Star Trek musical writer. So say hi, Brent. Hello. Hi. Brent Black here. Thank you for having me on. We're glad you're here. Um, You've got quite a YouTube following, and you're also a super creative guy, and we have this connection over Star Trek, and so we're here to design a Star Trek theme park. Um, I'm so ready. Dude, it's a it's a huge canon. Why why do you like Star Trek? What was your first one? Um, so definitely next gen as a kid, and I just really vaguely knew the characters. It's so episodic that you can kind of get an idea yep. just from watching one episode. But um, in around 2010, I got my first real paycheck, bought my first real TV, uh, paid for Netflix, Ooh. and at the time they had. All of the Star Trek movies, I think, like, motion picture up through, certainly up through Generations. And I just made a marathon of watching, I I wish somebody had told me not to start with the motion picture or ever (laughs) watch it, but but I I went all the way through to Generations, and so that got me into the TOS canon, Mm -hmm. Um, and so I watched a lot of Next Gen, uh... I've dipped into all of them. In fact, the one that I've watched most is Voyager, even though it's not my favorite. I don't know huh. what – it's something for me to talk about in therapy. But, um, <laughs> but uh, I, you know, writing this Wrath of Khan musical has, has led to me watching a lot of the original series just to kind of, you know, to see the difference between movie Trek and show Trek, which I think is also very applicable to Next Generation where you've got angry, angry violent – movie Picard versus like never speaks above a whisper Shakespearean TV Picard. So, yep. um, and if, I guess if you're, if your viewers and listeners aren't familiar with Star Trek, this is all gobbledygook, but, uh, <laughs> anyway, so. hopefully they are, at least this could yeah. be a good primer, a good introduction. And you can yeah. see how, how much passion the series can give someone. Absolutely. So the Wrath of Khan musical, how did that all get started? I know you have a kind of a background in music and you write a lot of lyrics for things. Yeah, so in 2015, I was feeling myself getting burnt out on my YouTube channel, which was all about video game music. Mm -hmm. And, you know, burnout was, I was a little bit ahead of, I started earlier, I should say, than a lot of the YouTubers um, that are now big. And so by the the time burnout was becoming a thing people talked about publicly, Uh I had already had it. and, And I was like, oh, that's a thing? I just thought I was a bad person. I wish this had been a thing when I was going through it. But, um... You know, I was starting. I was starting to look to branch out. I started being on a podcast with a friend of mine, and I just, I liked a girl named Lisa. She's a dancer. I went to a <laughs> show that was an interpretive dance show. Uh, it's not my thing. But at one point, these guys came out in spacesuits, and they reminded me of Chekhov and Terrell in on the the desert planet in Wrath of Khan, and I just sat there going. A Wrath of Khan musical would be such a deliciously bad idea that it could be really funny. Um, Because it's so not right for musical theater. Right. But I tinkered, 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 tinkered with it. And then I just had this big opening in between uh, different chapters of my weird pinball career last July. And um, just started writing it full speed. And now I'm on the third complete draft. So that's the story. Wow, that is so exciting. I'm I'm stoked about that. I do. I think Thanks. there's kind of a connection between this is a little bit of a bad word, I guess, but sort of campy B-movie type things with 
like low budget theater, but because there's mm-hmm. certain there's a beauty within that, like the kind of oh, I don't know, yes, lovableness. You're absolutely of, right. Like an Ed Wood movie, for example, it's like I see what you're going for. There's some purity there, but then I know that you kind of had to cut corners and had to make it a real thing. But at least people get to enjoy it in real life now. Um, yeah, well, and I mean, Little Shop of Horrors is very much in that vein. The original yes. movie was so like made in 48 hours and had all these <laughs> plot holes and was very flawed but sometimes a flawed movie if you turn it on its head and make it a comedy can be some of the best musicals so yes. this is an example of that even though Wrath of Khan is great let's be real it's a fairly low budget Star Trek movie it's not exactly Citizen Kane right <laughs> well said but yeah bringing bringing a, a pinch of, of comedy and a dash of music makes anything better in general but yeah I'm so excited about that it sounds awesome um, but for today, for the theme park, I think it might be too hard to do the entire Star trek verse. So you want to mm-hmm. stick with TNG for our theme park? Is that what you want to go for? Well, my, my question would be, the thing is that to me, because I'm so steeped in TOS, and I would say with the, with the major motion pictures lately, I think that most people are more familiar. Actually, that's, it's, it's hard okay, to say. Okay. Yeah, I know it, that TNG it? is having a moment too. Like I, I know a lot of people, a lot of podcasts I'm hearing, people are going back and rewatching it, and it well, is what if really we, good. What if once it gets what going. if we? Oh, it's amazing. What if we yeah. could? What if we could do a hybrid of mm-hmm. TNG is the, is like the main thing, but uh-huh. just kind of like Disney World has their new stuff like Pixar, but you still yeah. have Goofy and Mickey walking around. Maybe like. Uh, a little I bit like of that. both, and we won't we won't worry about uh, Enterprise or DS9. <laughs> sure, I'm fine okay. with that. That sounds cool. So, I mean, th- there's some similarities between the two, anyway. Especially if you approach it from like a, a theme park design perspective, which is, mm-hmm. you know, we need to allow a lot of people to explore this space right. at the same right. time. So it kind of yeah. gets the sort of MMO feeling instead of it being like, yeah. you know, a single player game. It's like, you got to kind of design this for a lot of people to go at once. Yes, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I feel like spaceships and planets are kind of the main locations, but I know that's super gigantic and obviously there's a lot of planets that we can visit. But do you want to start with the spaceship itself or what are your first things that are popping to mind for you? So I, in real life, love theme parks. Cool. Um, my, I lived, I grew up very close to Six Flags Over Texas, which was the first Six Flags. Ooh. Um, very quick detour. Do you know why it's called Six Flags? Um, no. Because six, six different locations? flags, six different flags have flown over Texan soil. So wow. it started as a park with um, the Confederacy, what? Republic of Texas, United States, France, Spain, and Mexico. Those were the areas, and then wow. it became, now it's Looney Tunes and DC Comics land. But right. I love that factoid because a lot of I people I had no know. idea. Yeah. Um, so was there originally, like, a Confederacy land and, like, yeah, Spain land? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and now it's more like Wild West because uh-huh. the Confederacy land, it doesn't, you don't want it to be like, yeah, this is the area of the park where we really love slaves, you know? The like, South will not... rise again, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, um, that was the concept, and it's... <laughs> you know, it it has it just was a franchise name they kept going with. But and you're asking me about initial ideas. Yeah, I think that because there are moments from the entire franchise where the the ship goes fast. Like I love roller coasters, mm-hmm. and I love roller coaster simulators. There's this battle that is um, that connects 
Star Trek The Next Generation with Deep Space Nine, and it's like the big deal in uh, The Best of Both Worlds, which is this two-parter where Picard becomes a Borg, um, which I'm going to try to explain as I go along for people in the audience. Like, he basically gets assimilated by this robot culture that like makes you one of them and now you're you know you you lose your individuality and there's this huge battle where all these different ships in the federation this huge fleet they're all trying to just mess up this big cubic shaped borg ship and not doing great but they're just flying around and it's madness and they've yeah. got to probably dodge and weave around all the other ships so they're not bumping into their buddies and messing up their ship so I feel like something on the order of a space mountain, like an indoor, cool. very special effecty. You're flying through space, and oh, we're gonna hit the Reliant, or oh, we're gonna hit the Defiant, or whatever other oh. ships rhyme. Um, but like <laughs> going in a loop, and like maybe even you're not on the Enterprise, but you keep hearing people that you know. Like you, yes. you hear like Worf. It's like this is this is Lieutenant Commander Worf on the Reliant or the Defiant. I'm sorry, that's. Oh my gosh! On the defiant, pull up, pull up! You're gonna, you're gonna impact with us, you know. We're and then, and then Worf does his thing where he's like, "We must attempt ramming speed," and you're like, "Oh, we're gonna fly into you!" Ah, like you know, um, just really interactive. Still a moving coaster, Mm -hmm. but indoors enough where you could really create the illusion of being in space. uh, Show the Borg ship and have it really feel like we are in, like. We are in a ship that's moving so fast the gravity controls are failing. And, uh, you know, um, (laughs) that kind of thing. Maybe even, like, there's phaser buttons that light up on the the car that you're Uh in so that when it's like, fire all phasers and the lights, you know, show up and you could find some way to make it look like your phasers are actually sending out, you know, beams of light toward what's going on just to kind of make it, like, the Star Trek experience, you know? That would totally work. And this is almost a a Star Wars-ish moment. Like, you know, Mm dogfighting you don't usually think of with Star Trek. But those two episodes, or I guess that one battle, for sure. Yeah, it's one of the few that does (laughs) Real action-y ones, yeah. I love the idea, though. You could do one track that's, like, spirally or whatever inside. Possibly each train is its own ship, and they're like yeah. well lit from the outside. So as you're flying around, you see the people who are in line behind you, and they're on a different ship. So that way you can have a lot of yeah. ships flying around um, while still getting a lot of people through. But then also have some that are stationary and they just feel like they're moving because you're rushing past them. Gold star, man. That that's an amazing start. I think launching it off with some action and with a the phaser thing. I've never thought to combine like a shooting arcade game kind of experience with an actual roller coaster but that's genius it'd be so fun especially if it's it's connected with a story you know they give you cues for this is the time when it's appropriate to fire you're not going to shoot a friendly ship or whatever but that is genius i love that um do we want to come up with like a canon explanation for who the park guest is walking through there or are they just kind of a visitor my thought would be so like when i think of the star trek video games that have done well a lot of the times it's doing the video game trope of you're sort of a an empty vessel character mm-hmm. that is just specific enough that you feel like you can step into it. Right. So it's like if you are the crew of the starship, I mean, who knows, the starship Gandhi, you know, the starship Marie <laughs> Antoinette, whatever it is. But, like, it's one that probably was one of the ones. It's a galaxy <laughs> class. It's a Constitution class, starship, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but, like, if the people in the cars are the crew 
um, depending on how complicated you wanted it to get, you know, right. like it could be like the front is the captain's chair and it looks different and everybody wants to be maybe like the front car is just one person instead of two Ooh. and it looks kind of more like the captain's chair. That'd be awesome. Um, it's got a swivel to and, it, maybe. Yeah, and you've got like a big long. Well, boy, you wouldn't Seems want too dangerous. much. <laughs> just like teacups on a, on a roller coaster. Um, just the one in the front. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like uh. that being said, so many moments in Star Trek, one of the signature things is that for whatever reason, the the battle bridge uh, can be impacted in such a way that sparks fly out of it and people, you know, fly out of things. So. <laughs> If you had like a little bit of that universal King Kong ride stuff where like when when the thing gets impacted, you somehow feel a vibration and sparks safely fly out of somewhere near you. So it really feels like, you know, uh, you're on red alert and maybe even you hear like your engineer going, oh, we lost we lost the warp nacelle and we got to whatever it is, you know, just to kind of make it fun and and unique, but also feel like you're ship is part of that battle you remember mm-hmm. but maybe not your picard your you know wharf kind of thing that's awesome um there is this game i think it's a pc game like a fan game that requires a bunch of people each having their own laptop to play and each person takes a different role that just mm-hmm. kind of reminded me maybe we could do this something similar in its own attraction like maybe some sort of exam or or an actual simulation like you know pretend like you're fighting some bad guys or whatever, but where each person has their own pivotal role, like, you know, you've got the engineer, mm-hmm. you have the captain, because um, it's such an ensemble show, you know, there's so many important yeah. roles as far as the functioning of the ship, and no one can do it by themselves, um, where each person gets different data on their little readout on their monitor, and mm-hmm. you have to communicate that, you know, quickly and efficiently while yelling over other people, and everyone's trying to prioritize their, their information, and the captain has to take all that in and decide what to do going forward. So I think that'd be such a fun thing if you got to kind of, like you said, get into a specific role that's empty enough, but you still have jobs that you have to do and you alone can do within your little party of five or whatever. Um, I just feel like that'd be such a cool experience. I don't know specifically what theming it would be, but it'd be really neat to have to step into specific shoes instead of just a generic, you know, Starfleet person. Absolutely. Are you familiar with the Kobayashi Maru? Yes. That's what I was picturing for this. Yeah. Yeah, for our, for listeners, the Kobayashi Maru is a, it's sort of a simulation, the way that you do a flight simulator, but it's like with the whole ship, and the student in the Kobayashi Maru is the captain, and what the student doesn't always know is that it's an, it's a completely unwinnable scenario, mm-hmm. um, but there are various ways, you know, it's theorized in canon and beta canon that there are ways to get around it, and obviously... Captain Kirk, when he was a student, reprogrammed it to win. But, like, I think, you know, I hear all about the wizarding world of Harry Potter where you go into a room and have an actor uh, really, you know, using special effects to show you how the wands work. To me, like, the idea that even if it was just, like, five minutes per person, Mm -hmm. maybe it's an extra money attraction or you have to, like, get a reservation. But if all the other crew are trained actors that do this every day. Wow. And they're prompting you like, here's what's going on. What are you going to do? Pick left or right. And like, maybe they could even say, if you want to do this, you know, press this button. If you want to do that, press that button. And like, you're not having to necessarily be like, know all the terms. You just make a choice based on the left or right Mm -hmm. uh, arm of your chair. And maybe there is a way to beat it. um, Especially, you know, 
it reminds me of things like um, Sleep No More in New York, where people that have gone a lot, they kind of know the tricks. They know the the, right. the, the things that you might not know. You know, it could spread around like people could Google like how to beat the Kobayashi Maru at Star Trek World or whatever. That sounds really fun, though. Like maybe there's no true ending, but you can get to different paths like. It's almost like a choose-your-own-adventure story. Like, you know, oh, how did yeah. you lose this game? Oh, yeah. here's how I lost. Um, but, yeah, it's still a, a cool experience and a cool, like, examination of what it takes to be a captain. Because, yeah. you know, it's not just kissing people and being the cool guy. You know, there's a lot, a lot right. of work that goes into it. Yeah. <laughs> presumably. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, okay. So those would be two sort of cockpit or, uh, you know, what's the right word for that? Cockpit sounds um, so wrong. The, I would say the bridge. The bridge, sure. Yeah. Bridge simulation type experiences. Are, um, right. But what else do you think we should include here other than... Well, it's kind of a nice layout, I think, because we have spaceships and planets, and that mm-hmm. is an obvious means of conveyance, right? If you want to go from right. one ship to another ship or to a planet, there can be little shuttles that take you there. Um, yes. The one thing that might be weird is you don't really do a lot of walking necessarily, which that's kind of one of the issues with space. I mean... Look how Wally turned out. Um, that right. feature, <laughs> but um, yeah. taking little shuttles would be thematic and make sense. And then you can walk around once you're on the surface of a planet. Sure. Um, and it, as long as we're doing planets, um, yeah. So there's Risa, which uh, was mentioned a lot in Next Gen, which is the pleasure planet. It's yeah. sort of like, you know, perhaps where adults would go to. On the one hand you know, have a drink on the beach and get a massage and perhaps, perhaps meet, you know, I imagine there are substances and things one might pay money to do that could be uh, part of a pleasure planet. But like (laughs) in the same way that Disney for a while had Pleasure Island, which was an adults only area Mm -hmm. late night, it could sort of be that you could have a simulated beach, you could have people, you know, alien actors bring you Mai Tais or like, um, even like Romulan ale and uh, Ald- Ald- Aldarian whiskey. I might have said that wrong, but like themed drinks. Yeah. You even have, um, this is Deep Space Nine, but Quark, the character in Deep Space Nine, has a bar that he runs. I don't think you could have any Star Trek theme park without a Quark's bar where yeah. they serve, um, you know, just the just the drinks we all remember, the special uh, things from the whole series, you know, he just, right. and also root beer, which is weirdly a thing they talk about in Quartz Bar. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. There's all kinds of, of sort of sci-fi things you can do. Like, even if mm-hmm. some of them are, are fudged a little bit or made up a little bit or pulled from some novel somewhere, sure, like extended sure. universe stuff, you can still make a full menu of really cool, exotic, alien food and beverages. Like, that sounds yeah. awesome. And there yeah. are a lot of humans, so it's not going to be weird if the bar is filled with humans and only the employees are, you know, non-human entities. But I think that's fine. I think that yeah. is appropriate for what you usually see on screen. But that sounds really cool. It'd be neat to be able to walk around. And and I do think the average Star Trek fan is probably older than the average Star Wars fan, for example. Like, yeah. I feel like it tends to skew a little higher. So doing those more adults-only experiences, I think, would be fine. I, the kids will have plenty of things they can go do while everyone else goes to, yeah. you know, the pleasure planet or whatever. That right. sounds awesome. Wow. Um, it'd also be neat if you did some planets that were sort of a, almost like a role-playing session. Like, you know, a lot of the nature of an episodic series like this, it's like the story kind of has to wrap up relatively quickly. You can mm-hmm. still have a good sci-fi story, make people think and bring in some interesting elements, 
but it needs to resolve relatively quickly. So you could do right. almost like an escape room type of experience, you know, like the episode's almost over, you only have 10 minutes to solve the issue or whatever. Yeah. But go to a new planet, explore around, find the problem or, you know, the conflict, and then find a solution for it, and then move on to the next attraction. Like, right. can be its own self-contained story. Yeah, when you talk about a an escape room, my first thought is there's an episode of the original series called Spock's Brain, and the thing is that, like, that's a dumb one where his brain is removed and they have to, like, get it back. But if the escape room was an abstract escape room called Spock's Brain, and what you really had to do was think like a Vulcan. You had to, like, mm. you're trapped in Spock's consciousness in his katra, like his soul, wow. brain, and grams. And the only way to get out of the room is to think in this utilitarian Vulcan way, even though it's constantly fighting with you because he's a human trying right. to be very Vulcan. And yeah. so every time you make a human choice, um, and it could be interactive where you hear, you know, somebody playing Spock or the voice of Spock's mother, the voice of Spock's father, all these Ooh. things that are telling you, no, you know, that's your human side. Think about think about logic, Spock, you know, and like you're or whoever you are and you're trying to like and this is very abstract. I don't know how you'd practically do it, um, but I feel like that could be a fun way to have an escape room thing that isn't that is more theme based than yeah. like. Um, than fulfilling something that would actually happen physically on a Star Trek show. That is super cool. I just I love I love escape rooms in general, but going with a more abstract sci-fi method is that's a genius. I feel like that could be a total trend in the future of of escape rooms, making it more in your head and less about you know how did you turn the dial or whatever. That's right. genius. No, and going I got goosebumps, going dude. Your... Oh, well, thanks. talking I, about I, the uh... the conflict between the the human and the Vulcan. I get that. That's an issue, you know, my wife and I go back and forth. I'm a lot more Vulcan, she's a lot more human. So that balance is something I'm I'm very, you know, connected to and I understand the difficulties of leaning too far either direction. So there's right. a lot of cool puzzles you could solve that way too. You know, where a Vulcan is playing by the rules and then the human side is, is like uh Kirk a little bit, just kind of smashing down walls and, you know, doing whatever he has to do to, to win, you know, reprogramming the Kobayashi Maru, for example. I think the whole Vulcan thing is utilitarianism. Like, for instance, if you ask a Vulcan, hey, would you save one toddler or kill five adults? And you have to pick one. Yeah. Vulcan would say the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. The toddler has to go. But mm -hmm. there could be puzzles that force you to think about real people and what to do with them. And, uh, you know, like that is such a key part of Spock's philosophy and the Vulcan idea and it's yeah. like you, your human side is going to be like oh my god well you know save the puppy or whatever it is like save the cute little triple and it's like <laughs> no that's not how it works when, when you're a Vulcan you know what I mean yeah. like, and by having to go against all your regular instincts because your everyone instinct, playing right. it would ostensibly be human um, be sort of stuff <laughs> theoretically like that. yeah yeah um, I would hope but it'd know. be really cool if this was like an experience for six people and if you choose the kill five adults the other five adults just drop out of the room it's like wait yeah, what? yeah. <laughs> like at a theme park you could have so many more interactive elements where you're in there with actors and they're unable to help you or break character but like they become props in the whole thing you know and that that could even make it a little bit more organic possibly giving you more options without making them all available at once right. in other words once you've kind of chosen you're going to solve this like a vulcan you only need access to the vulcan puzzles you only need those trap doors to open or whatever and the right. the actors could be a part of that they could say if 
you know, the player does this, then I'm going to say, oh, look what I found. Here you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. If they don't do that, I won't. I'll keep it hidden. Um, but wow, that's genius. I love that. Um, and that really works, I mean, similar to the Kobayashi Maru, like kind of a mental um, exploration of what are you capable of. I really like that. Yeah. It's 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 peaceful, um, but it's about finding the best in people. I think that's that makes sense. I feel like that would right. be very Star Trek, you know? Yeah. And we, yeah, go ahead. So I just am kind of running through my brain of, like, the most fun I've had at theme parks. I've done Universal, Disney, lots of Six Flags, Bush Gardens, and there's always a show. Mm-hmm. There's some kind of live show, and sometimes they can be so crummy. Yes, um, usually. Like summer shows at Six Flags where they're just doing, like, a musical review of 1960s oldies, and it's like, yeah, this is a thing to watch while I eat my nachos, but, like, <laughs> I wouldn't pay to see it. But, like, at Universal, you've got, like, the Batman stunt show, the mm-hmm. Beetlejuice, like, Halloween uh, musical spectacular. There's the Indiana Jones stunt show at Disney. And I'm sitting here thinking, what if it was called, like, um you know, the stunt show Tractacular. And like they could it could have its own little story, like, oh, the the portal of time, whatever's in the city on the edge of forever, which is a classic episode, that like can make weird things happen and make different time periods or whatever thing you'd have to do to make it uh-huh. where our favorite characters from different series are now you know, meeting up and going, Oh, what do we do? The and like new villain villains like trying to kill them all so the Federation never succeeds. And so these characters that are normally not working together and not having to fight are now, like, in battle. There's some Klingon Batleth battles. There's, um, you know, like, uh, an ex- explosions. And just like, you know, when you go and see this uh, movie special effects demonstration thing at Universal or Disney, mm-hmm. um, but, like, it could be just a few. Like, you'd have your Picard, your Kirk, maybe your Spock, maybe your war for data and then like you know your generic Klingon your generic Andorian whatever it is maybe just some actual humans who knows um, but um, it could be really fun in the way that the Batman stunt show is fun it's just Trek and it could be a little bit less cerebral than some of the stuff we're talking about Yeah, and more just like come in here it's a hot day sit in the air conditioning and watch this 45 minute show that's going to be really exciting visually and your kids are going to love it that kind of thing that sounds awesome I also like the idea that there's a ton of humans here but we still have those few you know stars that we're hoping to see and interact with like right. you know Kirk and Spock for example it'd be really interesting if uh, we try to keep it as realistic as possible. You know, the actor mm. who plays Picard is during this stunt show. He pretty much only does that stunt show. Like, that's his job. But there might be a yeah. different person playing Picard in a different part of the park that's, right. I don't know, maybe a reenactment of a specific episode or whatever. You could yeah. time it so that there's no two Picards on display at the same time anywhere. So then in canon, he's just having the craziest day of his life where he was, you know, doing this we would consider it a reenactment, but basically a live version of an episode that we saw. And then he gets warped off to this, you know, mashup big battle situation. And then he's warped off somewhere else. Um, So he's just having the craziest day and we might get to see him a few times, but it's the same guy. It's not like we're, we're saying there's, there's three Mickey's in the same room. That'd be really weird. But um, yeah, I think that sounds really fun. I love the idea of doing a stunt show, something more for the kids. Um, 
But you could even do a musical review if you wanted to. You know, have oh, oh you bet. <laughs> Picard with you the flute. Bet. Yeah, well, There's, I mean, I think TNG has so many really... concerts. Oh, dude, if they ever make this, I am going to just send them every email going, hey, hey, I've already done this. Not that I want you to use mine. Please, let me write a spec thing. Let me try. Um, I just had an idea that I don't know where it would go, but, like, so as we know, um, real holograms. Oh, no, it would basically be a holodeck program, uh-huh. but it would be pared down, and it would just use the kind of holograms that when they take a a, a, a star who's passed away and they mm-hmm. do a or, – or even, like um, – that Japanese cartoon woman hologram that tours around. Yes. Um, and looks very real. Uh-huh. Here's a thing that just came to my head, but in the final spoiler alert, in the in the final Next Generation movie, Data sacrifices himself and ostensibly dies. But because he's an android, you could ostensibly have saved an earlier version of his brain. Totally. And if you could, you know, they have all these deep fakes these days. There's like technology that could make it where if you just recorded enough of Brent Spiner's voice, then you could type in text and it would more or less be something that could communicate with you. So Mm -hmm. either you could have an AI that can talk to you or you can have something where it's a hologram that an actor is typing nearby with a microphone yeah. and if you ask it a question it sort of does the Siri thing where it'll talk to you but you're talking cool. to sort of the the brain engram like the positronic ghost of data um, and what kind of attraction wow. it would be I don't know maybe it's the kind of thing that like in a, when one of the restaurants you can just go up and talk to him and then go back to your seat kind of thing yeah. um, that just feels like such a Star Trek thing to me and it sounds really fun. Like, I don't know if you would, like, ask him for advice or... Because it could just be sort of, like... I, I don't know. He's such a fascinating character. Just his delivery of lines, I think, is really good. Yeah. Initially, I was thinking of... I was picturing it as almost like one of those fortune-telling things, like, from the movie Big. Like, mm-hmm. Zoltan or whatever. Like, go, <laughs> yeah. up, go up and ask this thing something. But, you know, have it be more human. And it doesn't have to be telling your fortune. That's not a very Star Trek thing. But, yeah. you know magic eight ball type of stuff <laughs> could be kind of yeah. fun and i i love the idea of of a character being able to interact with you in especially that situation where it would be a hologram that'd be so cool it's such cool technology it's yeah, like and we're we're getting closer and closer to the stuff they kind of had on the show that they thought yeah. would be 200 years in the future but <laughs> probably gonna be sooner right oh that'd be really cool because i i know that is really a cool thing like when it's a low, you know, like kind of a crappy animatronic, it's still pretty interesting if you're if it's your first time seeing it. But doing right. it a little bit more cutting edge is really cool. Like I know in the '90s, Nintendo would have like a 3D Mario head, and then just a guy standing behind it, just talking yes. to you because he can see you. Like it's yes. such a cool idea, and it would have been fascinating at the time. It's that that same concept um, for now, and like for an ongoing audience, you know, they can come by every exactly. day and ask a different question and get a different answer. Like how cool. Right, awesome. and depending on the technology used, you could have an actor with a mocap, uh, a mocap suit or a mocap, you know, face dots, <laughs> right. who's just sitting there and doing it, and it might not sound exactly like our data, but it's also his 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 copy. So um, now I'm starting to think about uh, themed restaurants because you yeah. know, like especially in like Epcot Center and really all through most. Uh, People got to eat. I mean, it's more of a Disney thing, I think. I feel like you find less true sit-down restaurants in, like, a uh, 
Six Flags setting. Right. But if this is a park they intend you to come to, you know, come visit this park resort for a day or two. Don't just uh-huh. come on one day. Um, and it's a classy place, too. You know, there's room for, you know, a piano concert. You know, there's there's room yes. for some, some more fine dining than just wanting a cotton candy and a hot dog. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so I'm immediately thinking of some way to to have something that feels original, like you've never seen this, even though it uses elements you have seen. Like mm-hmm. in um, real life on Earth 2019, we have fusion. We have Asian fusion. Sure. What if it was Klingon Romulan fusion? Oh, and so yes. you can have a Klingon blood wine if you want. You can have a <laughs> Romulan ale, but you can also have like some weird Romulan food and gach, which is this nasty uh, Klingon food. And it's all made up, but just like Disney, it's convincingly either kind of gross looking, but it tastes delicious. Or And all the waiters can tell you like, well, it is made from the innards of a, you know, but like it tastes, it tastes just like, like strawberry. ham and cheese. Yeah, and like it will really be a ham and cheese, but like that kind That's of thing. That's genius. Um, I love but that. But like Klingon Romulan fusion feels like a really like, it's hip. It's almost mm-hmm. like, you know, um, the, the, the various, you know, or even, you know, 10 forward is this famous bar and lounge on the USS Enterprise. And if you could find a way to like, you know, when you go into this place, it's a portal into 10 forward and you've got Guinan, a Guinan actor that is in fact the bartender. There could be only five drinks available and they're replicated like an automat yeah. where you just pull them out of the thing because they're always ready. Totally. Um, and you just have to wall really off the kitchen. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's five different house yeah. drinks you can get. And um, Guinan's just sitting there, you know, probably with a bunch of barbacks. But, like, you could sit there and talk to Guinan for a second if you want to. Like, just that kind of How cool. really cool, interactive, Disney-style um, characters, you know? I love that. And there, there is such a rich cultural tapestry, like, uh, to pull food and to pull, you know, cuisine and drinks and, and everything from. Language, yeah. like, I think that'd be another interesting thing is just hearing people speak other languages that are not from our reality. Like how cool would yeah. that be? It's like, I'm actually in Star Trek, man. What if, what if um, a Klingon lounge singer came out for one song every half hour, but yes. he did like Frank Sinatra standards in Klingon. <laughs> translated. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I was thinking with Klingon, it might be fun to do like, cause people, there are humans who can supposedly understand and speak Klingon. If there was, yes. like, a challenge, like, you know, like a trivia question that was written in Klingon, and if you get the answer right and you can answer it in Klingon, you get, you know, the shiny prize. Like, totally. that kind of or, stuff. Or if, like, parts of the menu are written in Klingon, they have little jokes that you don't get otherwise. <laughs> like, little yeah. jokes like, um, you know, don't expect, don't expect, uh, or, like, something like, an asterisk that says, warning, there may be a few Klingon bloodworms. Uh, mixed in, don't worry, it's good for you. You know that 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 kind that of sort thing. of yeah yeah. No, that's wonderful. I really like that a lot. Or even if you only speak English, but you've seen every episode of the Next Generation and the original series, there might be some parts where you would know uh, the correct response to like a specific question or like um, basically if if you if you're very familiar with the original works, there are certain references mm-hmm. that you would understand that would be like either funny for you or if you reply with the correct answer you get some additional experience yeah. 
I think that'd be really cool. Just something for for the fans who aren't absolutely crazy, insane fans about it, like where they speak Klingon and can read it. But um, yeah, I mean, something for the fans, of course, would be right. Awesome. The kind of thing where it's fun for everyone. But if you, the more you know, the more you get small fun rewards yes. out of jokes and references that will just tickle you and delight you if you if you get it. Because I feel like you'd go here the first time, even if you've never seen anything from Star Trek, and then you'd want to go home and like watch all the films like you did, or right. all the even-numbered films, or whatever. Um, right. But then you want to come back after that. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm more in the culture now. This is These are my people. Um, yeah. Or, you know, these are my creatures. Um, I don't know the correct yeah. term. Yeah. I'm trying to be PC here. Hmm. It's um. tough when there's, you know, all these species. <laughs> well, one thing on that note that I'm thinking of, like, things that are more fun or less fun for fans that are more or less intense is um, there are now probably 300 people who actively can appear at a convention because they've been on a Star Trek show yes. and draw a crowd. And so to it's me, it's like people. if one week there's an availability for three hours a day to take a picture with or get an autograph with one of the actors that you remember from the show. And so it's roping in a little bit of that Star Trek convention element mm-hmm within the theme park but it's completely on brand it's a great um, place to host those conventions too oh my we need a convention center. yeah 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 if you had an arcade um obviously you could have just like any theme park you could have your pac-mans you could have your um racing games whatever but if some of them were themed um and i'm thinking about how every ship has a doctor and I'm thinking about how so often in the show, or at least multiple times through the franchise, one of the problems is the Doctor only knows so many creatures' anatomies. Mm-hmm. And so you could have a funny, like, Klingon operation where it's like <laughs> this open-chested Klingon that kind of looks like the operation guy. Yeah. And you've got to use your, um, like, laser stick. It would be like on a, on a rope, but you've got to use your, like laser healer thing to like get his second spleen okay we got that (laughs) we didn't go outside of the thing and get his oh you got it wrong or or like um you know ways you could i'm thinking of ways you could do air hockey that would be um just little changes (laughs) like do the mallets look like star trek ships totally what does the puck look like or um you know uh just little things that are not exactly a full arcade game like a like a cabinet with a game inside of it. Yeah. Um, though you conversion. could have arcade ports of the of the Star Trek games throughout history. There's a Voyager yeah. one where you're like the security team so they could make a first person shooter out of yep. Voyager. Um, or just like the Super Nintendo ones that, you know, like uh, are pretty basic, but you could like use a joystick and, and uh, enjoy it that way. Um I like Rock'em the idea sock'em of robots, but it's like Kirk and the Gorn, you know. <laughs> That's a classic fight scene, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure all the stunt choreographers are studying that scene closely as they uh, progress in their oh. careers. Oh but... yes, it's uh, the Bible of stunt choreography. <laughs> I mean, we could theme it as an arcade, but we could also theme it as like the training academy, like um, you know, it's what your your like entrance to see if you want to go to medical school or whatever in this in this universe right. would be how well do you know the anatomy of and then it pulls up a random species and you have to try to you know do the operation thing you know robert picardo was one of the most memorable doctors because he on voyager was a hologram and so if you had either him or like he's doing the voice but it's uh cg 
hologram of of him from the show, and like he shows up and goes, "Hello, here's what you're going to have to do." Well, get to it, you know, like and, yeah. and you just have to figure it out, oh, and cool. maybe you've got a nurse with you who's an actor, but like just interactive, cool stuff like that. If you wanted to yes. ramp it up from operation and make it like <laughs> this is a hands-on experience, and you can lose, you can really mess this up. You will get wet, and you may get soaked. <laughs> Oh god! Sorry. Now I'm thinking of the whales in Star Trek Four. I don't think we, I don't think we do whales in captivity in a theme park where the movie about that was about setting them free. But I mean, yeah. something with a splash zone. I yeah. Don't know. And if we're near an ocean or something, you know, you could have like a big area of water that is contained where you know they can live comfortably. Um, wait, this is a bad idea. But we could even do like a stunt show where there's like you know. Um, a small area where the the whales go around, but then at some point they escape captivity. You know, the the crew comes in and I, I guess you would just teleport them out. But I was I was picturing you them like breaking through fake glass and like pouring out into the ocean area. That's oh I love so that. contained. But it'd be kind and of the fun. Thing about, the, the thing about being able to beam them out is the transporter can always be malfunctioning. There's always something. Yes, there's you a know. reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the transporter is a good an easy way of um, explaining why you can't follow Picard after his stunt show performance to his theatrical performance. Right. Oh yeah. He was, you know, transported. Ooh, teleported. Ooh, ooh. Imagine a <laughs> restaurant where you have to ste- step on transporter pads and like the special effect of it, how you would do it. I don't know. This is for That's the imaginators to figure yeah. out. <laughs> but if you step, if you step on the transporter pad, the light is blinding and it really feels like you transported to an entirely different place mm-hmm. that is the restaurant when really they just had some lights, moved the wall around, but like right. just something really like, yeah, rotated it. Yeah. And obviously you'd be like, I know what happened, but like kids <laughs> might be, you know, delighted and like, how did they do that? You know, that yes. kind of thing. Oh, that'd be really cool. Huh. That's a great idea. I wonder, I'm, I mean, it's not our job to figure out how to do that, but I think it could be right. possible. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, how cool. And I mean, I, I don't know about you, but coasters are one of the main draws of any park if it's not totally. Disney or Universal. Right. It's got to be I good think, theming or good coasters. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you could do coaster tropes that were just themed. Like there's a there's this trope coaster where like it starts flat. Um, it goes from zero to like a hundred miles an hour in you know, three seconds. So you're just like, Whoa! you're like, you know, feeling all those G's, but it could just uh-huh. be like emergency warp speed. Like, you know, we've got to get out of this wormhole, yeah. hit it, warp, warp 10 or no, there's no warp 10 anymore. Warp nine. And you're just like, Whoa! and it's the same thing as the Superman ride or the, whatever the one is called at Hershey park. But it's just, um, you could even have it where at night, you know, you had the stars in such a way that it really looked like the light was doing that warp yes. speed or hyperdrive thing. And it would just feel for a second like we're on the ship doing the thing, you know? Yeah. Wait, that's totally doable. It could just be a big screen with stars. And then once the ignition is hit, they turn into stripes. Like, right. that would be amazing yeah. to see firsthand. Holy yeah, cow. Yeah, pretty cool. I love that. I think almost all the coasters should be indoors, too, so it feels like you're in outer space, you know, flying right. around. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's yeah, really cool. An outdoor, an outdoor coaster would be so much less... I mean, now I am now I want to challenge us to figure, to figure yeah, out right, an outdoor I know. coaster. <laughs> um, Definitely hmm. the, like, shuttles to get two, you know, spaceships in outer space and a planet's surface in between spaceships, but... I mean, those would have to be some sort of coaster or people mover type thing. But as far as an actual 
coaster outdoors. I just don't know what the theme of that would be or like what the canon reason for having a track would be. There's this trope of like the mine train or the mini mine train. Mm -hmm. And it's like you could just, you know, Google like what is a mine or like, for instance, the Klingon moon of uh, Praxis. Boy, have I been watching a lot of Star I'm Trek amazed. lately. Um, well, the Klingon moon of Praxis blows up in Star Trek Six, but before it does, I think it's something of a mining colony. And, you know, like, Klingon stuff, I think, is sometimes boring on the show, but, like, the darkness, the drabness, and the violence inherent to the warrior race of them can yeah. really ramp up the tension and atmosphere for a scary ride. So it could be the kind oh. of thing where it's, like, you start in the mine, and something goes wrong and, you know, there's something chasing you or for whatever reason, you've got to rock it out of there. And now, oh, we're on the mine thing. And, oh, we're going in between the different parts of the mine. Ah, we got to get out of here. You know, that kind of thing. And you could have, like, some Klingon commander that's audible from a speaker in the cars that's, like, telling you what's going on to ramp up the sort of meta drama of the moment. But it's just sure. a mine train Right, ride, it's a reason you know? for that. But I think most mines are considered indoors, though. Unless it goes to, like, a quarry, maybe? That's, it could be the same be track. Brilliant. Yeah, Thank and, you. like, have it be all a facade where, uh -huh. from the other side of the park, it could be whatever. It could, you know, just be covered in forest and, like, have a little area between. But when you're in it, it is like a quarry on the Klingon moon of Praxis, and it looks very dark, drab, you know, um, rocky, um, and... Uh, could be a, a fun reason to have an indoor slash outdoor mine train. And you could, like, fly by a thing where you see, you know, like, you see various things where the, you know, Klingons fighting with Batliths or just, or, like, animatronics or something funny where totally. you just get a little taste of something going on as you fly by it. And it, again, feels like that atmosphere that rewards you for getting it. But you can also just enjoy the fact that you're on a mine cart, you know? Mm -hmm. Totally. I... <sighs> I really do like the Klingon culture. And, you know, they're misunderstood a lot of the time. But it'd be really interesting if, like, on the Kobayashi Maru, you can kind mm -hmm. of identify, you know, your your race or your culture or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then, so if you're, you feel like you're pretty good at Klingon, you can try to do the Kobayashi Maru in their language, <laughs> which oh would be an insane challenge. But it'd be really funny to, like, watch people struggle yeah. with, with that. Because, you know, as someone who has tried learning a new language and then going to the country right after that it is really hard to do um, oh yeah but it's really funny a lot of the time too you're like man i thought i knew what i was talking about and i have no way to say these words yeah when, um, but when be, i learned when i learned when i learned spanish and immersed myself i learned very quickly to say uh talk to me like please talk a little slower and then talk to me like i'm a toddler um, <laughs> just because it's kind of charming to say, but also, like, it really lets them know it what helps. level I am. Yes. Um, so I'm wondering, like, what theme park type things are normal for theme parks to have that we haven't touched on. Right. Um, I feel like we've got most of them. We could always add in more things like um, like a rock wall type experience there because there's a lot of exploration of treacherous planet surfaces you can do laser right. tag with phaser i mean it's phaser oh, tag that phaser tag yes <laughs> oh my god phaser tag cool. that's a winner <laughs> done thank Dunsky, you rapid print it um uh or with like actors with know, face prosthetics and everything it could be pretty oh cool. yeah. yeah um i wonder about 
an equivalent to a Splash Mountain or Pirates of the Caribbean or Haunted Mansion. Like, what, you know, you're on rails, you're going through at the speed they want you to go through, um, but what would it be? I mean, you could make it, like, scenes from Star Trek with animatronics, but to me, to make it a little bit more fun, a little bit more, like, um... Almost like if it was something educational, if it was like a Star Trek, sorry, a Starfleet Academy training uh, interactive experience where it's telling you the history of various things, but things keep going wrong. Um, (laughs) Like the the ride is the malfunction of this thing. And Mm -hmm. so that's where some of the comedy and interactive fun come from. Totally. Um, And the people trying to give you the presentation, things keep going wrong. So you're seeing a little bit behind the curtain of what it would really be like while going through different scenes and, quote, educational experiences for the academy students. What just popped in my head was something I love about the old James Bond movies is when you see Mm -hmm. Q and he shows you the new gadgets that are going to be in this movie, it usually goes wrong. And there's like at least some slapstick moments that go into those. Yeah those scenes yeah it could be something like that like here's this cool real technology that we're going to be using well real um but something goes wrong with it somebody you know slips on a banana peel or whatever equivalent um so there's something for the kids to laugh at but then it's also like wow this is cool technology i'm learning about i really want to do this for my career and you know enlist in starfleet or whatever at disney world there was like a special effects show Mm -hmm. and they actually found a way to get people from the audience behind this mirror screen thing where it truly looked like they were being teleported away. It was a Star Trek themed thing. They borrowed it um, because it was like MGM Studios. I think Paramount partnered with them on this. But if you had in the training thing some way that let's say that they have like invented this brand new teleporter ray gun. And so it does what a teleporter does or a transporter with a gun and then like the professor or whatever gets gets to an area where he's like, now be careful with this because if you misfire it and then he fires it on himself <laughs> accidentally and like he's gone and then somebody else who was there was like, I suppose I'll continue the presentation now. You know, like that kind of thing. And then later on you find out the professor's like on the ride with you. He like got in the back car oh, and that's was like, really you know, funny. or whatever it is. It's just like fun <laughs> for kids. It's not too serious. I think yeah. that would have to be a real... Um, interesting balance because you don't want the biggest fans to be like they didn't take star trek seriously but like a theme park cannot be too solemn and cerebral or it's right. no longer an amusement park it's just a museum <laughs> a <simulation>. rides. <laughs> right, right um so to me to have these fun things that are completely in canon mm-hmm. uh could just be such a fun way to bring it to life and get people into it yeah, I mean, there's totally zany, goofy mo- moments from Star Trek. You know, if you go on YouTube and look up crazy Star Trek out of context, oh, you're going to yeah. be like, what the heck? Yeah, so absolutely. there are some goofballs that live in this universe, and they could be the professor at the Academy. Like, that's totally fine. Right. Um, I was thinking of other rides that might be kind of that Pirates of the Caribbean style. You could do one, like, mm-hmm. uh, in within the Borg ship where like i don't know if you're taken as a prisoner or something and then you escape but like where there's some slow parts where you're taking in the scenery and like trying to understand get a picture a glimpse of what it would be like to actually live on this ship but then you also get some action and you know someone's fighting over there like rescuing you yeah 
So there's still some motion to it. It's still considered like a roller coaster, but it also has some slower parts where uh, you get to take in the ambiance a little bit. A Borg, a Borg cube ride on rails could be so cool because you always see it in the special effects in the show yeah and it changes you know by the time you're on voyager it's all very green and purple but to have like the illusion of a true working all the lights all the things you see goop going through the tubes you see that (laughs) they're like at their charging stations and maybe one wakes up and starts walking towards you and they're like go 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 you know we're undercover um Oh, that could be so spooky and cool. That could honestly be... It could be a scary attraction, too. Yeah, yeah. There's some horror um, moments, for sure, in the series. Like Right. And yeah. it's... Yeah, you have somebody who's like, fire your phasers, and you fire your phasers on the thing, but it's like, they're adapting! Let's yes. go! You know, they, it's not working anymore. <laughs> that kind of thing. That's really cool. Or, yeah, with the Borg, like, in one of the video games, I don't remember what which one, but there's a part where you're like, it's the first-person shooter one, and you're shooting the mm-hmm. Borg... But they're invulnerable. You can't hurt them until you go, like, destroy these little frequency things. And then you right. can shoot them. But, like, that's a really scary moment in a first-person shooter where an enemy is shooting you, and you can't shoot them. It's like, what? what? Right. It's, right. It's a, it could be very, it's a cool very scary. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, I have a weapon, but it's not effective yeah. against you. That's really cool. But there's all kinds of horror-type, you know, escape room sort of experiences you could do. Like it could even be mm-hmm. where you have a phaser and you have like some tools that you would actually have if you were on Starfleet and you need to figure out a way of escaping this area or, or, you know, getting away from the monster. They even have an escape room in real life where there's a zombie chained up in the corner, like a human per- pretending to be a zombie because zombies don't exist, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, right. <laughs> but then every 10 minutes, the chain that they're connected to the wall with gets longer so by the end of the hour, they can actually grab you. Like right. that sort of experience would be really cool. Like where the timer is connected to something physical in a room that is legitimately scary. Like totally. I love that. Awesome, man. Well, I feel like this has gone some really cool places. Um, are there any moments from, I mean, anything in Star Trek really that you feel like we would be really bummed out if we didn't do? Well, I mean. I, I'm trying to find as much as I've been steeped in adapting the con story. Yeah. Um, I, I'm having a hard time. Like it could simply be that part of the stunt show um, is recreating what I think is one of the most tense and fun moments from the entire franchise, which is where Khan mm-hmm. has stolen a Starfleet ship and is coming up to the enterprise and they don't know what's wrong because this is a Starfleet ship. So the people on the Enterprise are like, uh, what's going on here? And then Khan and the Reliant just completely decimates the Enterprise, turns on the screen and goes, hey, I just wanted you to know who it was that killed you. And when I come about, I'm going to do that. And Kirk's like got 60 seconds with a ship full of cadets and um, he's got to outsmart Khan. And then when he does... And they do it as a team, Savick, Spock, everybody. It's one of the most, like, I don't know that you cheer in the audience, but it, like, Seems at, like at it. the movie. But yeah. I feel like if you had some way to make it a little bit interactive, I mean, you don't want it to be too patronizing to the audience, but if Kirk's like, what do I do? You know, like, uh-huh. tell me what to do. <laughs> I, I, what do you think? I, well, that won't work because of this. But, and like a really good improv actor that could be like, well, you see the photonic phaser duotronic boobity bops. Well, won't do that. So you, you give me an idea, like, or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, it could even be a comedy like experience, but there's also the kind of real 
you know, in, in canon, it's real. But you just yeah. have a really funny actor, you know, trying to lead you. That right. sounds great. Right. That sounds really cool. Could be fun. Wow. And you could do all sorts of experiences like that and, you know, change them out once a year or whatever. Change out the simulation of who's the bad guy and what are the solutions of how we could win this. So you can't... Totally. You, if, if you're a hardcore fan you want to go every month, you're not going to yeah. know the solution where you can just yell out the correct answer from the back of the class and, oh, well, right. we didn't get to mess with anyone. You know, no one guessed right. the wrong thing that time. There's so much to pull from as far as, you know, new threats, new um, people helping out, new crew members... There's a lot that can be evolving from year to year as well, even within the same infrastructure. Yeah. It's awesome. And, and and to put a bow on it, I think it would be silly not to have a museum of props, costumes, models, anything they could get their hands on or pull out of the warehouse, like even sets from the movies or here's the 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 big eel worm, here's the giant Chekhov ear. <laughs> From Wrath of Khan, or you know, the Borg suit, Picard War, whatever. Like that would just Those be, would all be so cool. such a cool thing to just walk through as a little exhibit, read the plaques, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, even like a, 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 you know, if there was a typewritten letter that Gene Roddenberry, the creator of Star Trek, wrote, um, that like just survived in the archives, and just to see it in a frame, like cool, cool stuff like that for the big fans. I would love that. That'd be amazing. Wow. Brent Black, thank you for joining us, man. That was amazing. I want to go here so bad. Like me too. Oh, recall <laughs> it. Cool would part. it be Would it be Star Trek Galaxy? Uh, that's a great name. I like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a super go. easy answer. Boom, first try. Sunski, I like that because Disney better World, than just Disneyland. Yeah. Yeah. Galaxy is yeah. perfect. Star Trek Galaxy. I like that a lot, dude. Man. Wow, that was awesome. <laughs> um, for. People who have heard this podcast and now want to find more of you, where can they go to, to check you out? Well, um, I imagine those who have stuck with us are Trekkies, uh, by and large. So <laughs> my my current show I'm writing is called Con, three exclamation points, the musical. Uh, and I am semi-secretly developing it, but you can get more information and follow the progress of the show's development at twitter.com slash U-A-S-T PM. That stands for Unauthorized Star Trek Parody Musical, but it's at U-A-S-T-P-M. I'm also the uh, designer and co-creator of a comedy party game uh, that is on consoles and PC and Mac. It's called Use Your Words. You can find more about that at useyourwords.lol. And I'm the co-host of a news and politics podcast with a comedy spin called Trends Like These, which you can find on all fine purveyors of podcasts. Perfect. You can find Amusement Sparks on social media as Amusement Sparks. Uh, Thanks for listening or watching, and thank you for being here. It was a real pleasure. Thanks for having me. That was so much fun. Hopefully we can work together again someday. Yeah, live long and prosper. (laughs) Perfect. Wow, that was such a good thing to go out on.